Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Jack Michaels Show. Derek Hansen in studio along with Brad Anderson producing and Jack Michaels on the road after, well, the Red Hawks a tough loss last night. But the good news, Jack, Kansas City lost. So nothing changes. Uh, yes, and a good Thursday. Yes. I got to tell you, you know, it's a uh, Fargo's uh, 13 and unders just lost three to two to Iowa oh. to end their season. And it's so. And by the way, a good Thursday, and, and we'll get to the Hawks, and, and I know you got JG coming up and, and Bison sound from Dame Day. But let me tell you the scene, Derek and Brad, this morning at breakfast at the Graduate Hotel, they have uh, big screens in this pretty vast breakfast area. It's a buffet. And so, like, nine of the Red Hawks, Drew Ward, all the all the guys are sitting there having breakfast, me, Coast, Trent, and, and the trainer, and the Fargo Little League team comes on ESPN. And the, and the and to watch the pros, some guys drafted right out of high school, second round, third round, the guys that have been in the big leagues, Reimer Liriano, literally just pulling for the for the Fargo thirteen year olds. Nice. just it's like they became kids again. And it was such a scene here and, and I and I'll tell you what the, you know what the most important run in any baseball game is? The one that the wins the game? Run. No. <laughs> the, yeah, the insurance yes. run. And I just realized the insurance run. And sometimes that's like one nothing when the Red Hawks, that was the insurance run yeah. and the winning run. But anyway, tough. Uh, but what to Eric Grandy and uh, and that team, you know, Eric's taken a couple of teams, you know, deep uh, in, in youth baseball. Um, what a run for the uh, the 13-year-old kids. And Henry Shrum is like a household name now. <laughs> In in the country, isn't he, Brad and Derek? It's a regional folk hero right now. All he does is drive runs in. He's probably signing autographs. He's like nine for thirteen in the series. He doubled in the in the final inning and then backed up by a double. So they fall three to two, but had the tying run in score. Yeah, Strom's like like you guys. You know how popular were you when you were twelve? I mean, what? what did, Not did very. You know you? No, no, <laughs> no. I was just a pudgy little uh, kid with a bad bowl cut and a cowlick. <laughs> I was the I was the one that was like three foot six. That I uh, I let off because I had a really small strike zone. No, <laughs> crunch over, Brad. Bend down. Yep. It's gonna be. Yeah, I yep. Later in, later in the game, that uh, strike zone got smaller. I, mean, I always said, you know, it's uh, I was wasn't the, very, very athletic, but I made up for it by being really slow. Yes, I, I got into the L. <laughs> I got into the L. Newman crouch late in the late, late, late in the ball game. Oh, Remember when Newman oh, used to do that? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, Derek, you and I, uh, Brad and I were talking about this yesterday. And, and and I don't know where you stand on the on the national and international exposure of twelve year old you know kids, but how awesome are these little league regionals? I mean, they're just I'm just consumed by it. You know, it's just you know, it's just it's, yeah. it's the purest amateur tears joy. You know, parents, you know, kids. I mean, it's just yeah. I mean, I the, absolutely eat it up. The I only time it. it's bad is if like a kid drops the ball. Yes. on national TV, right? I mean, like, and it, then they zero in on yeah. that. I mean, because yeah, I mean that that's the thing that you don't want to see because we've all been there, right? I mean, adults go through oh. it. I mean, it, the, the you know, we we Bill Buckner, he's known for one thing after a great storied career, you know, and and right. so you don't want to be the Bill Buckner of twelve year old baseball. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah. That's a great point because you know I'm sure the people producing the telecast, you know, you don't you want to show the emotion obviously because right. it's part of the game, but you don't just stay on it. You know, the the big thing that went viral. How how awesome was that? Was that yesterday, guys? With the 
the uh, little leaguer that got hit in the in the ear flap. Right. Yep. Yes. I think it was a couple days and ago. Then got to first and realized the pitcher was in just distress, feeling terrible that he hit him in the head, and then he goes over and and hugs him on yep. the mound. Are you kidding me? Are yeah, you kidding me? I mean, how, how, I mean, maybe they should be running like the country. Maybe those kids should be running the country. I don't know. Well, they certainly could be running uh, Major League Baseball better than Rob Manfred, but that's not saying much. I mean, I, I think <laughs> right. you know we could. I think they, be, we could have a group of uh, us that could figure that out a little bit better than what we have right now. That's that's for sure. Uh, the yeah, uh, Twins, uh, the Twins, uh, coming off that tough loss against the Toronto. They're running into a pretty good baseball team right now. That's uh, they don't really want to face the Dodgers, who just won their tenth in a row. They got to make up for this in Orange County now. They, yep. They've got to because you're right. They ran into they. You know, we often talk about it's not necessarily who you play; it's it's who you play and how they're playing when you play them. And probably picked the wrong time to have the Dodgers on the schedule. Yeah. Um. And and the Dodgers are starting to hit on. On, cylinder, on all cylinders, you know, Muncie is really coming around and and uh, tough time to play L.A., so let's be grateful that was a two-gamer, and now we'll see if they can make some hay against the Angels. I would say the next week and a half is, actually probably even a little bit more than that, is going to be very important for the Twins because you've got the, uh, the Angels who are struggling. You come home for a week, you've got three with the Royals, four with the Rangers, and then you go back out for three with Houston, which is going to be like... Ooh. And a dealing with the Dodgers, and then you've got the the Giants and Red Sox at home. So it's very home heavy against a lot of teams, uh, save for the Astros that are five hundred or below. So you've got a this two this two week stretch is uh, I don't say make or break, but uh, they critical. have to they they got to do something here. Yes, it's critical. In fact, yeah. to that point, to that point, guys, you're right. They need to get this weekend in L.A. Come back, go five and two, uh, hopefully. And then, you know, have a little momentum. They can get seven of the next ten and uh, before they hit Houston. Yeah, because now you're a game back, and all of a sudden you're where you are not want to be. So, yeah, that's right. So looking at it right now, and all you want is to get in the pool, right? You want to get into the bracket, Get into the tournament, yes. And get in and hope that you can catch a little luck. I mean, because no one in 1987 thought the Twins were going to beat the Tigers or the Cardinals. That's just safe to say, right? I mean, that, they, they shocked the world by doing that. But boy, it's really tough. You know, looking at the Dodgers and Padres and Astros and Yankees, you can throw the Mets in there. It's it's going to be a grind of getting that upper echelon because right now they're the they're uh, living on uh, right now on uh, Rodeo Drive, and everyone else is kind of in you know like upper middle class at best. Is that safe to say? I would say, and and I think what's kind of plagued them a little bit, uh, it, it cannot show its head down the stretch and. You know, it's not that the Twins can't get a lead, you know, in some of these games against these teams. But, boy, you you, you just – how often – boy, if we had a dollar for every time we talked about, you know, outs, you know, 16, 17, 18, right. 19, 20. You know, that that is where it is just going to be the difference down the stretch. You've got to be able to – take a Lincoln last night. You know, Red Hawks actually almost blew up the league's top pitcher and Greg Minier. I mean, they were just – they're about ready to knock him – all over the state of Nebraska in one inning last night. And then uh, he gets through his six, and their their bullpen uh, goes like three-plus innings, you know, a few hits, four strikeouts, no walks, and just shuts it down. That's what the Twins need. What Lincoln did last night in the bullpen to Fargo-Moorhead is obviously what the Twins need need to have happen. 
We were talking a little bit yesterday about the Field of Dreams game that is tonight in Dyersville, Iowa. They will not be having a game there. I just saw the story today. They will be not uh, having a game there. I I didn't know this till the other night. I was watching the um, Twins of uh, Cedar Rapids. Uh, they were playing uh, the minor league game in Dyersville. And, the Colonels, yeah. Yes, and uh, Frank Thomas was on there. They were interviewing Frank Thomas. Apparently is the he is part of the ownership group of that complex and is like the CEO. Really? Yes, I did not know that. Well, you know, he I think he's got a little business mind to him. I mean, mm-hmm. he's you know, you see him on on all the sports channels telling you how he can be a better man if That's you know right. what I mean all the time. So That's right. <laughs> That's right. I, I mean, he's 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 uh he's pushing the T quite a bit. Yeah, so, so apparently uh they have they're putting in youth baseball and softball complexes at the uh the Field of Dreams site in Dyersville, Iowa. Uh they're uh, starting construction on that this year. It'll be ongoing next year, and Major League Baseball doesn't want to have a game there. Why that's going on? Oh, well, I interesting. see. So interesting oh. there. So they are just they are expanding that. Hopefully, it doesn't become too commercialized. But I like the fact that they're putting some youth diamonds there. That's yeah, kind of, that's a that's a that's a cool uh, cool idea. Well, and I th- I think this field of dreams thing, though, like a lot of things, maybe needs to be like an Olympics rotation. I don't. Does it need to be every, every year? Every other. Well, that's what you know. Jack and I were talking about that yesterday. Yeah. You would like to get the teams in the Midwest. Like to get the Twins and yeah. the Cardinals, or maybe the Brewers. We've already had the White Sox. We'll have the Cubs and Reds tonight. Um, to me, it's not going to have the same luster if it's the Rockies and the Pirates. No. Well, what are the most famous non-major league baseball ballparks in the United States? From little league to you know, what are the most famous hmm. ballparks? And and maybe well, they do play at Williamsport. They do, do they not. Yeah, they, they do. do in Williams. Yep, they do play in Williamsport. Huh, that's um, interesting. Well, you know the old uh, the old ballpark at Omaha, I thought was pretty famous. Rosenblatt, you know? yeah. yeah, Rosenblatt, yes. But now they've changed yeah. that. Obviously, Lisbon. Does Lisbon have one, Brad? Do they? Uh, can we get one down in Lisbon? I think Ellendale yes. would be right there. Right there. Oh, Enderlin. Enderlin. Yeah, oh, that's I, what I meant. I, I Enderlin. Guess, yes, Enderlin. Enderlin. You got the you got the Canadian Pacific rolling right. by there, and uh, that big wall, Highway Forty Six. Yes, that'd be kind of fun. That is a beautiful little park. <laughs> yeah, it is. But they'd be hitting homers left and right. It's like <laughs> I was say. 325 to center field. Le- left-handed hitters might enjoy that one. Yeah, the final score might be about 18 to 14. <laughs> yes. But that's where I would look. Like the most famous, you know, something that draws marketing attention mm-hmm. to a historic, you know, non-MLB park. You know, you can't resurrect the old polo grounds. You know, you can't resurrect some of the ones that have, you know, Hammett's Fields and all of that. So, what existing parks? Maybe that would be an angle if, if uh, Frank Thomas and, and his Cialis company, or well, I'm not even sure what it is that he uh, power performance. Yeah, if they can do Dyersville, then where? Yeah. Hmm. Or I just maybe that maybe they take a year off. You get a little anticipation, and maybe that uh, that interest keeps going. That'll be uh, that'll be something so like, to keep in mind. Where do the Durham Bulls play? They still play in the one that you know, you know that that you. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, that's what I'm kind of curious about. Some of the minor league parks that, uh... you know, Durham Bowls, Toledo Mudhands, you know, some of the famous. Yeah. You know, aren't they all like commercialized now, though? Yeah, maybe they are over, over commercialized. I, I mean, you know, Boyertown, Pennsylvania. You know, remember the the Legion World Series was rotated between three cities. They run, and now it's just in Shelby, North Carolina. Yep. And I don't mean just there. I mean they do a good job, but it used to rotate between. Boyertown, Pennsylvania, Fargo, North Dakota, mm-hmm. and I believe it was Corvallis, 
Yeah, yeah uh, maybe you're right. Uh, it was like Klamath Falls or Corvallis, Oregon, something like that, somewhere out there. Yeah, I think out in Corvallis, but it used to rotate. You know, and I don't know. You know, Boyertown is pretty popular. Why not Fargo? So I'm looking at old uh, minor league ballparks that they have. The one in Durham is uh, is newer. Yeah, okay. It's not the one from the movie. Yeah, right. Because I'm looking now at Jackie Robinson Ballpark in Daytona Beach. It opened in 1914. Ooh. Just that name alone, right? That's uh, that's pretty good. That's in the Florida State League. I mean, it's a pretty small park, obviously. Uh, McCormick Field in Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, huh? Opened in 1924. Uh, let's see. Where the Davenport Blue Sox play, uh, Davenport, Iowa. That's kind of a ni- nice looking old park. And see. I think that would that would work. Yeah. So, yeah, just some things. You can't that, go wrong with the Midwest. No, some of these are pretty small, as you can about imagine. But uh, yeah, they'd have to adjust. <laughs> Aaron Judge check swing and gone. <laughs> well, <laughs> and much like the the thing at the Field of Dreams, it's you know, one of these things where you don't have to put stands in too, right? So it's. A pretty prime tip. Yeah, you have to kind of retrofit here. You say you kind of have to suit it, you know, temporarily put it up to standard. It's kind of what they did at Dyersville. We had to add some seating and and uh, some bleachers and such. And but people don't care. They're willing to. Yeah. They're willing to go they, and how about pay for where it. they had. How about where they had Woodstock have a game and then a <laughs> then a, a concert ballpark there. Concert of upstate New York. Yeah, that would be it. But that's too bad that they're not doing the. Uh, Build a build a dream. Well, it's a uh, well, it is, and I, I think it, I really do believe though that's a, kind of a novelty thing. I don't know if they need to do every year. I, I because there's a lot of stuff that just I mean, you kind of have to mix it up a little bit. But you know, but I, I like your idea of you know, and we, we don't need the Mariners taking on the Miami Marlins there, right? I mean that that's it, it, right. I think it's I think the White Sox going there made a lot of sense. So, so yeah, I get it. Yeah. Yeah, Brad, like Brad said, we, yeah, we did chat, you know, saturation's never a good thing. I mean, mm-hmm. but that's how we do it. We find something that works, and then it was my, Derek, I said, it's like, remember when you used to like the song, like, Stairway to Heaven, and then it was just overplayed, and now you're, now it's shame on you for overplaying it, for me now to hear it go, oh, yeah, whatever. You know, that shouldn't be the, the thought. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, and yeah, it's like anything, right? That it just it can be too, too much of a good thing can kind of uh, be be way too much. Uh, it, we, the Bison Media Day yesterday, yep. and Brad was all over that, as we mentioned. Obviously, a lot of excitement there. UND is next week. I know you guys are going to be up covering that On Tuesday. Yes, and uh, I'm going to be at uh, Twin Peaks tomorrow, so we'll have a lot to talk about and have a special baseball this week. And we're kind of getting to a busy weekend. It's the First full week in a preseason football, gentlemen. Yes. So here we Pack, have it. Got the Packers and the 49ers. Uh, I don't know how if Trey Lance will play some or if at all on Friday. Mm-hmm. It'll be at Lambeau and then the Vikings, which uh, you can hear on our sister station, 1019 Jack FM, uh, against the uh, against the Raiders. And, you know, it was. I think it was a point, I can't remember if it was Barrero or somebody on the, uh, somebody on the uh, K-Fan mentioned the for the fact that it's with a new coach and a lot of new, there doesn't appear to be things seems things seem to be fairly under control at Viking camp. And I don't know if they're just playing things clo- close to the vest or if it's just kind of business as it, usual. It is very much business as usual. Other than the, so you, you were down there. So. Other the coach says hi to you, unlike Zimmer, where he looks like he's you know he, he, you look at him wrong. Yeah, yeah. he just looks like he wants to 
you know shoot lasers to you, but I mean it's very it's much more upbeat. I'll say that, but uh, yeah, it well, doesn't. I'll, I'll ask Derek. I'll ask you this: since you mentioned Kevin O'Connell, uh, it, it's it, heading into this season as a Viking fan, or in the, those of us and you are at camp, it's easier to make a case for the Vikings to either you know win the division or make some sort of run. It's easier to make a case for than it is against. Right now, right? Isn't it? Well, on paper, yes. I mean, it just you look at this team, outside of your concerns with Gary Bradbury and the guards, mm-hmm. I mean, their tackles seem to be solid, right? And that's the one weakness we talk about. Well, one, of the, one of the rookie guards was practicing with the first team yesterday. Well, that, was, the, uh, be, that was blowing up a lot of Viking fans' Twitter I, I think a lot of people think that he, it was his job to lose once right. it was all said and done. So there you have it. And so that's... Because when you have guys that have been around for a while, along with some of the younger people, I mean, Justin Jefferson's established himself, Adam Thielen, KG Osborne's really opening up some eyes. You know, BC Johnson is back. I liked him. You know, coming. You know, I thought he did actually yeah. a pretty good job coming yeah, out of I Colorado think, State. Yeah, but think with uh, with him and uh, KJ Osborne, that's uh, they, those might be a couple of sleepers in the offense. And you got Madison and Cook. Obviously, that's you know, so that you got that. The big, big question is tight end, but Irv Smith Jr. is out. How many times do we, I have that promo going with the morning crew? I, right. I mean, how many times did the Rams? Can you name a Ram tight end right now? I mean, that that's mm-hmm. so you don't really know if they're going to need one as much. How about somebody like Wangu? Besides being a kick returner, can he be? He might uh, get a shot to do something. I mean, there's going to be a lot of out of the backfield stuff, and then on defense, you know, Zadaria Smith and Daniel Hunter when they're healthy are scary to think of those two guys as Ed Rushers on the outside. Yep. That is going to be amazing. Eric Kendricks is a baller. We know that. And yep. the Harrison Phillips is a guy to watch. He's really impressing people down there. The, the, again, he's pushing around when's Bradbury. The, yeah, when's the last time they've had kind of that Pat Williams, basically the whole plugger type of guy? It's been a few years. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, they wanted Pierce to be that guy, but he couldn't stay healthy. And right. Opted that's out true. in 2020. And especially too. now if they're going to go 3-4, you, yep. you need, that's, that's a necessity. Guys, too. Right. I mean, you know, we, we'll see the young kids, but you know, they've got, you know, these guys are coming out of college in pretty good shape, almost ready to, you know, you know, maybe you can't plug a quarterback in right away and expect results, but you know, you can't, you know, the athleticism and power, and uh, some of these guys have been played in, you know, power five conferences that were up against some pretty good receivers uh, when we talk about the corners and the secondary. So the Vikings had a good draft, and I and I think Derek and Brad, you could speak to this. From the offensive side of things, maybe the uh, unpredictability of the offense uh, for Minnesota to me is what I'm kind of looking at. Where how many times last year got out? Oh, here's what they're going to do. And if you're sitting listening and watching a game and, and are saying that just as an armchair quarterback, just think what skilled defensive yeah. coordinators uh, scripting out plays where it's like, man, the Vikings seem to be a little bit predictable. I think that the, the uh, the unpredictability of the Vikings offense with the new influence of the coaching staff is something that I'm intrigued by, which should make Kirk Cousins, who obviously wasn't spending time watching movies with Mike Zimmer and his family. <laughs> and obviously there was a <laughs> right. good relationship, it appears there. So that, that to me is, is intriguing heading into this. That's what I'm looking for. For sure, it's going to be fun to watch, and I think uh, Joel and I mentioned the other day that uh, third-down conversions are going to be big because that could close out games, and you're p- not putting your defense in a situation in the last two minutes the way they did well, so I would say both, both sides yeah, of the ball at third sure. down, especially late in yep. games. Yep. Very good. All right, Jack, enjoy the call tonight. We'll catch you for Game 3 of this three-game series, and it'll be g- g- really good to have you back in uh, town tomorrow. 
Well, yeah, and I'm in town for about an hour 12. And it's off to Williston. Yeah. Yeah, we get in by about 7 o'clock. I may need to use the station's copier, and then I jump right back in the car and drive over there for the the Babe Ruth World Series. Uh, So that'll be fun, too. But obviously, yeah, tonight, 645, we'll see if Davis Feldman can uh, can get this rubber game, and, and boom, we'll be locking and loaded, and the Red Hawks still, as Derek mentioned, up two and a half in the West still. So a uh, chance to win tonight and gain a half game on the idle Kansas City and Winnipeg. So that's what's at stake tonight here in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. Sounds good. All right, Jack, safe travels. We'll talk to you again soon. Okay, buddy. We'll talk to you guys soon. Yeah, Jack Michaels on the road. Red Hawks baseball tonight at Lincoln. Brad Anderson, Derek Hansen with you. Justin Gard from the Bumper to Bumper program with Dan Brero on the way here on 740 The Fan. He's the number two sideline analyst in Minnesota. Came in, you said, if you ain't first, you're last. Ricky, I was high when I said that. But that doesn't make any sense at all. First, you're last. You you can be second. He's in the Cake Eater Hall of Fame. Cake Eater. His life's never been sweeter when you're just a cake eater. Nadal and Federer wish they were this good looking. I got to tell you. That suit looked like a piece of good God wrapped up with some have mercy with a side of mm. He's the one and only Justin Gar. Derek Hansen and Brad Anderson with you. Along with JG. JG, how you doing? It was good to see you last week. I'm good, yeah, good. Sorry that um you know it was like two fifty seven when you came up. Yeah. We were trying to get our bearings and like, hey, Derek, how are you? It's hot. All right, let's go watch some football. Yeah. That's how we roll. It's, it's you know, a long walk for you to come over there. You know what? The, I've been losing weight and I've been uh, walking a lot, so it's nothing new. I can actually walk up the stairs now where the salespeople are here and not be out of breath. <laughs> so we're, 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 get, we're getting there. It's a step in the right direction. No, it really is. But you walk yeah. up those stairs, it, it, it can gas you a little oh, yeah. bit the way it's Especially so, if you're in a hurry. So it's not, uh, it's not like it. Uh, I'm doing much better that way, and it's it slowly but surely. I'm to the point where I had to punch a hole in my belt now. So that's going the right way. So, because I'm too cheap, and this is a problem with Jack Michaels, I just don't want to go buy another belt because I don't. I want to see what the end game is, right? I mean, because I hear you talk about your weight. We all fluctuate, right? As we get, you know, yep. and so we try to do that, and I just want to stop fluctuating. So I'm hoping that uh, if I'm not going to punch another hole in, I'll break down and buy a belt if I if I get to the point where it's too loose, even for the hole that I punch. So I'm doing what I can. I understand. Yeah, yeah. The fluctuation is real. I have my wife always says, "Why do you have so many clothes?" And I said, "Well, I have my skinny clothes, <laughs> I have my fat clothes, and I have my in-between clothes." And at any given point, at any given point, I'm going to need all of them. Yeah. You know, you gotta. So it's a, it's basically like three separate. And we don't have a big closet, so it is a problem. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not like you. I haven't been the same weight for the last 20 years. It goes up and down. You know, sometimes I'm super slim. I need a nice suit for that. Sometimes I'm not. I need a suit for that. That's how it works. Well, living where we live, you kind of have to fluctuate too, right? I mean, because you got so many different. You got summer clothes. You got fall clothes. You have uh, winter clothes. I don't know if you say you have spring clothes anymore because we didn't have spring this year. It just went right from winter right. right into summer. So yeah, it's kind of a tough thing. It's got to be a thing for you too, as a silent reporter for the Gophers. I mean, you have to bring, like, four-season clothing, don't you? You just never know what you're going to get in the upper Midwest come fall. Yeah, I have been caught a couple of times where I didn't have what I needed. Um, th- thankfully, you, you, but you don't. there's always one game that's super cold kind of out of nowhere. It usually happens, like, the end of October. And sometimes in November, it's actually kind of warm. But the, the, the biggest thing, the biggest addition I had a couple of years ago was I – 
I don't like to ask people for things, guys. I don't know if you know this about me, but I like, you know, and you guys probably get this too. We all, we always get asked for things, right? Like, Hey, can you get me this? Uh, can you get me tickets? Can you get me this gift card? Can you get me an autograph? Like, can you get me oh, all yeah. these things? So I don't like to be like that. I, I just like to, you know, whatever. And, but I needed rain gear. Like I just, I didn't have any good rain gear. And finally, after like six or seven years on the sidelines, I had the nerve to ask the equipment guy, um, any chance he got like an extra rain poncho? We're going, it was Northwestern, I think, you know, which is like always rainy there, no matter what, uh, no matter what time of year. <laughs> That's true. And, um, He's like, yeah, no problem. We, we got a case for you. It's, it's underneath there. Like the next day, he came, showed me his little cubby. Like I had my own little rain gear. It was awesome. Then, uh, so that was like the one thing I've asked for, weather related on the sideline. Where it's like I just need. I don't need, you know, every shirt that PJ Fleck wears. I just need some rain gear for an Evanston. And all of a sudden, the rain comes out of nowhere. That's the one time I've I've prepared myself for that. What's the coldest game you've been at? Do you remember off the top of your head? Was it? I mean, was it the 2020 year when the season was so late? Yeah, that's yes. A lot, I don't know if it, there's a couple of them, but that's a good memory because we played in December. Yeah, we played December 5th in Lincoln, uh, where Jack is. And then we played uh, December 12th, I think it was, in Wisconsin. And the reason it was so cold was because there was nobody in the, in the, in the stands. There were no fans. So the stadium crew didn't need to clean it, you know, didn't need oh. to get the snow, like, out of the bleach. So, like, I think Nebraska, they did. I think there was. I think parents were allowed to go to that game, but at Wisconsin, nobody was allowed in the building. So it was literally, I was the only person in the Camp Randall Bowl. Like literally, it's still one of the most. So that means, but there was snow everywhere. So even with my boots, I was walking through because I couldn't be on the field because of COVID precautions. I could be up in the stands, which was actually better. I could see, and so it was freezing cold just on my feet right there because the snow hadn't been removed or anything like that. So that was cold. I mentioned Northwestern. That was, I think it was PJ's first year. The Gophers lost like 37-0 to Northwestern. And at any given point, it was like snow, wind, rain, freezing rain, and they were down by like 100. It was, it was a uh, – I call that a paycheck game. You know, most <laughs> of the games you do for free – but then there's games that, like, yeah, I'm I'm invoicing for this one. You know, like the Penn State game in 2019, you're like, yeah, I would do this for free. What an experience. The bowl games, all that. But, like, when you're getting crushed um, in terrible conditions and it's, like, 10 degrees, like, that invoice is getting sent in, you know, before the plane lands on the <laughs> way home. I recall there, there was a Friday night. I think the game got moved to Friday night. It was on FS1. And I remember, I think it was, it was kind of later in the year. It was kind of a cold night. And then... By about the end of the game, there was hardly anybody there, and I forget who they were playing. That was probably Iowa. I'm okay, guessing. Um, if it was the pandemic year, I think that one got moved to. A Friday I think it was. Night. I think it was before I that, but I, I'm trying to remember the year. Might have been Indiana too. There that's. Indiana I think that's that's game. the one. Yep. Yep. And it was rainy. Yeah, yes. it wasn't necessarily cold, but it was pouring rain, and uh, and they needed to win that game. That was uh, PJ's second year. And they needed that game as the schedule kind of shook out to get to a bowl game. So, yeah, that if I remember right, it was Friday night in the rain against the Hoosiers. And Rashad Bateman caught the game-winning touchdown pass. So, it was that was all right. It wasn't too cold. When you look at – we can focus on the Big Ten all you want and, and look at the East. I mean, it's Ohio State, Michigan, right? I mean, we, you know, maybe Michigan State wants to upset the apple cart there a little bit. But the Big Ten West is pretty intriguing. You know, UND goes down to Nebraska – Labor Day weekend. Yeah, South Dakota State goes and plays Iowa, the number two team in the FCS coming into the preseason. So I think that's 
you know, kind of intriguing to see how that goes. A lot of people picking Wisconsin to win it. But to think that Nebraska is picked fifth by a lot of people, and then Purdue and Minnesota kind of mix in the middle there. Illinois is kind of an interesting team. Northwestern certainly has fallen off the since 2019. Yep. It, it's quite a – it's an interesting seven there because I don't know if there's much separation when you really look at it. I think that's the, the right way to phrase it. I think most of the teams – yeah, we'll see what Northwestern does. You know, they have so much equity because of Fitzgerald and what they've done. Like, it's hard to really count them out. Um, but last year, they, like you say, they weren't very good. Um, we'll see what Illinois is, too. I think they lost a lot of guys, but Bielema was a great coach. Like, I, I always thought he was an underrated coach. I know people in Wisconsin, like, didn't like him for some reason. I'm like, dude, they took you to three Rose Bowls, you know. Right. I know he didn't win them, but that, that's a pretty good run. And uh, But you're right. And I think the, what we've all talked about is I think you, I think most teams in the West can make a case why why they will be better than last year and why they will be in the mix. Um, you know, I think, you know, Nebraska, uh, at some point, the thing's got to turn a little bit. I know everybody likes to to, uh, to rip on Frost, and, and I understand why, but they do have a lot of talent down there, and they've gone heavy into the portal, and I just, I, you know, they showed improvement last year, so I'm looking forward to seeing what they are. Purdue is another example. Purdue's got the best quarterback in the league, I think, by far, um, with Aiden O'Connell. Uh, I don't know what they're going to be defensively because they were very George Karloftis heavy last year, first-round pick. He was unbelievable. I think part of the reason why the Gophers won in West Lafayette last year is they basically um, neutered that guy. He he was no factor. It was amazing to watch from my vantage point how they just kept him from ruining the game because he's super talented. But And you know Iowa and Wisconsin are kind of be, they're going to be what they're going to be. They're going to have good defenses. They're going to have good running games. And and you're going to have to beat them. If, if I, if I, my hope for PJ this year, I think he learned it late last year, guys. Like you're not going to like back your way into beating Iowa and Wisconsin. Um, and I think PJ tried to do that in Iowa City last year, kicking field goals, not being super aggressive, oh, yeah. like playing conservatively. Like you have to beat them. Like they're not just going to let you run for 450 yards and kick field goals to a victory. And I think he learned that because of the Wisconsin game. When they had their little mini opportunities in that game, they capitalized on them and scored touchdowns. So I'm hoping that's the lesson learned because the division, since it's been the West, has basically gone through Iowa and Wisconsin. And the reason that Northwestern has snuck in there a couple of times is because they have gone out and beaten those two teams. So um, it's a long-winded question, uh, answer to your, to your question or your statement, but I agree that um, almost everybody in the West can make a case why they are going to be in the mix this year, and that includes the Gophers, which we've talked about before. When you look at, uh, I think a lot of focus is going to be on Tanner Morgan. I mean, and that right? I mean, that's pretty much. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know if he was going to come back or what the what the situation was going to be. I mean, it, it, the offense is kind of on his shoulders. Yeah, I think the passing game, you know, to broaden it out because Tanner obviously has to play better. They also need more consistency from their wide receivers besides Chris Ottman Bell and even Chris Ottman Bell last year. He got hurt right around this time. I think it was um, – they have a Thursday night practice tonight. I think that was the time when, when Ottman Bell got hurt. And, uh, you know, he just wasn't right the whole season. He had some false starts as well and, and had to sit for a couple of games. But, yeah, Tanner, by his own admission, was not very good last year. He had moments. He played well against Nebraska, uh, played well towards the end of the season. But they, it wasn't what you saw in 2019. I don't expect it to be as good as it was in 2019. They had two guys that are still playing in the NFL including Bateman, who was a first-round draft pick. But they have enough to get more out of the passing game, whether it is a Dalen Wright, the transfer from Texas A&M, who people tell me is the most talented guy they've ever had at wide receiver. It's just a matter of can he be consistent every day. 
and Brevin Spanford, the tight end from St. Cloud, who kind of emerged at the end of last year. People have been waiting for a couple of years for him to be a big part of it. So I having Kirk Sharaka back, I think, can only help. Um, he knows Tanner. He knows a lot of these guys. He knows how P.J. likes things run. And more important, I think he has the equity with P.J. to kind of tell P.J. when he needs to step out of the way a little bit and say, I can handle this part. Let me do this part. You don't need to jump in here and tell us to run the ball 30 straight times like they basically tried to against Illinois and Bowling Green. So um, I think that's probably the best addition is having Chiraca back here. Yeah. I want to swing back before we let you go and talk about the Vikings because it's obviously interesting next week. I'm going to try to head down there to cover some of it. Trey Lance, joint practices with San Francisco. I don't know if you're going to be able to, but I was talking with Mark Craig on the sidelines at at, uh, practice. It was either last Wednesday or Friday, and and. He, he a light bulb kind of went off. I kind of gave him a story idea, but you know it is pretty unique. And think of all the teams that you follow in the Big Ten. How many of them have starting quarterbacks? But for NDSU to have of thirty, there's thirty two of those jobs in the world, right? And two of them come from two guys that played in Fargo. It's, it's pretty amazing. It's crazy. <laughs> and drafted in the first round too, right? Well, and they both traded up to get them too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, both, yeah. I mean. Um, we talk about it here all the time. Like the Gophers haven't had a quarterback drafted since like the seventies. Um, it is wow. crazy. And especially too, with, with like, you know, with Trey Lance, like, you know, what do you play a season in the game up there? Yes. Like that's, that's the interesting thing. You know, I know they played like the October showcase game. It's like, but obviously he's got some talent. Yeah. That it's, it's wild. It's crazy. And, um, but it speaks to the program and it speaks to them. You know, it, I think it speaks like there's good players everywhere. You know, you just, and all people need is an opportunity sometimes to kind of showcase that. But no, that is, if that's not on the, on the wall of the, the beautiful new indoor facility that I keep seeing pictures of, like those two and huge fatheads, like two top, you know, first round picks in the last, you know, seven years, um, I, I'm guessing it is. Knowing how things well, they have all the pro people. Yeah, they have all the the guys who play the pros on the wall in the Fargo Dome. Yes, for yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, but yeah, that's that should. I know they highlight that a lot, and they should because that it's insane when you think about it. There's not. I mean, the schools that have had that, it's like Alabama, and I guess Clemson, maybe you know. It, um, Depending on what happens with their quarterback this year, but it's it's very very rare. Yeah, well, very, I think I think rare. it's yeah, it's Watson and, and and Lawrence, and that's the same. Yeah, that's Clemson, and North Dakota State. I mean, that's bonkers. Right. Yeah. right. And like Tua, and um, who's the other? And like Jalen Hurts, although yeah. he's a second round pick, I think. But you, you get my point. Like there, there's there's not a lot of schools that have multiple guys with starting jobs in the NFL. It's crazy. Well, I think Hertz is kind of an Oklahoma thing along with Mayfield, so I guess you can kind of share that. So, I mean, yeah, so right. Oklahoma, Clemson, and North Dakota State. I I, I can't get over it. We, I, there you go. Brad, Brad Anderson had a chance to catch up with uh, Cam Miller yesterday, too. But, you know, I don't think he's going to be the next one, but uh, that's those are pretty uh, big shadows to try to come out from. At least you won a national championship. <laughs> And he understands, too, that uh, the importance of, you know, and Matt Enns talked about him being a leader, but he he understands the importance of the role on this team, I think, and just because of who he is, uh, you know, who has preceded him. Yeah. It's hard to miss. (laughs) You know, we forget about about Easton Stick, and he's he's still getting a paycheck in the NFL, too. Yeah, to have three of those guys. Yeah, as someone who pulls for the Gophers, I think we're sitting at uh, Blatarski, right, with quarterbacks that are in the NFL right now. Uh, uh, zero, you know, I, I just can't think of any. Yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah, I mean, Adam Weber spent some time in there. Yeah, um, he played with the uh, with the Bears, with the uh, Broncos, I think with Tampa for a while. He was he bounced around, but it's been a while. It's been a while. 
Well, the countdown's on. Won't be long, and I, I will finish off saying I loved your bit on Jerry Kill at Dunkers. That was pretty good. <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed that. It is a little strange. There's something about guys who are from here, up here in the. I think the Dakotas and Minnesota. We're pretty good about that. As we we love guys who have been around here. You know, even if they yeah. left with scorched earth, kind of the way he did. So. Well, that yeah, yeah, and I just saw now that that story got picked up by uh, one of the papers down here. So I. They didn't mean to start the brush fire, but apparently I did. So now I, now I gotta own it because it's been canceled now. Yeah. That whole thing's been canceled, the whole thing, and so which it should have been. It shouldn't have been scheduled in the first place. But uh, only in Minnesota, only in Minnesota, <laughs> only in Minnesota does a does a group of community business leaders bring back the guy who consistently trashes the coach that they're allegedly trying to help. So right. The guy that's you know looking for them to uh, help out his student athletes. That would only happen here. But God bless Minnesota. God bless Minnesota. Well, yeah, it's not like you know. Like if NDSU brought back a bowl or climbing or something, that would make sense, right? Because they didn't correct. They, they didn't burn the bridge when they left. I mean, to well, me, well, bull kind of did. <laughs> well, but I mean, he he was fighting for his guys. He, he didn't publicly say much. I mean, I, no. I, Kill like was on the record of what he thought of everything. That that to, right. to your point, right. that's where it was a little bit different. I thought. But. Yeah, like Paul Phillips and Tim Miles can come back anytime they want. right? Yes, yes, pretty much as it should be. Yeah. That's you know. Work someplace, do a good job, move on to something else. That's how. Then, then come on back, but leave and then just trash everybody on your way out, and continue to do it. Like, what are we doing here? Yeah. But well, I hope oh, he doesn't come after you on the sidelines there that Thursday night. But uh, that could be something. Yeah, I don't want to be the story. I'm, I'm trying to stay out and be the story. I'm, I'm taking full credit for getting the event canceled. I, I will take credit for that. But I, that's the end of my involvement on that deal. What do you guys that's got coming? <laughs> What's bumper to bumper have in store today? We will talk a lot of baseball with Aaron Gleeman in studio from The Athletic at 3.30. Former Viking Robert Smith, who just got a, another big job with Fox. I wish we were at training camp today because Robert Smith's going to be there, but he will Ooh. be calling in from Vikings training camp. And then uh, Dr. Dan's inbox probably sometime in the 5 o'clock hour. So good show today. Should be a fun show. All right, perfect. Well, hopefully I'll see you again next week sometime. I always appreciate you joining us here on Thursdays, and we'll talk to you again soon. Yes, sir. Thanks, All right, guys. You bet. Justin Gard, JG, bumper to bumper with Dan Burrow, three until six thirty tonight. Right up until uh, just a little bit before Red Hawks baseball gets underway. We'll have a little fan on demand before that. Bison beats with uh, Brad Anderson. We'll feature it here on the Jack Michaels Show. He had some great conversations. Much of it is podcastable as well at seven uh, dot com. The Jack Michaels Show. Derek Hansen, Brad Anderson with you. Jack Michaels Show here on seven forty the fan. Derek Hansen, Brad Anderson with you. Brad was a busy guy yesterday, Bison Media Day, and uh, we'll get yeah, good sound for us. Yeah, a lot of good stuff. Uh, I want to get to some of the stuff that Matt Entz was talking about here. Um, first thing we can talk about, it's a little bit long, so we'll uh, get this here. He's kind of just talking about their offensive depth, namely, that starts with the offensive line. They, they lose Cordell Volson, but pretty much everybody coming back, he really likes where... Um, some of their younger guys, Jake Rock, some of these guys that uh, that are kind of the next group up, so to speak, and uh, he talks about that, and really just the depth they have at a lot of different positions on uh, on offense. I feel like we have as, as much depth at the offensive line that we've had probably in a couple years. Uh, we, we have, I, I want to say, nine young men that can help us win ball games, and, and <clears throat> excited coming back into it. Nine of your top ten are coming back, but what I'm really uh, excited about is the improvement I've seen in numbers six, seven, eight, and nine. And they're different. Uh, Hunter Pontius, Jake Rock, uh, 
you know, Westy continue to get better. Um, you know, the, the reps that they've had over the course of the last year, year and a half, have been critical in their development. Now you're starting to reap some of the, the benefits of that. Cam has done an outstanding job. Challenged him after spring ball. You know, the thing that he needed to continue to do from the quarterback position was be that that leader that we all uh, have grown accustomed to with the quarterback position here at NDSU. And he's done exactly that. Um, he, he was drinking out of a, a fire hose his first two seasons here, uh, got thrown into the mix right away and did a, an excellent job uh, in helping us win a national championship in, in 2021. He now has taken the next step in a leadership role as far as being able to have those constructive conversations with his teammates, um, getting everyone on the same page, great communicator in the huddle, great communicator in meetings, um, guys like Cole, Peter, uh, Nathan, critical to have that leadership in that, in that quarterback room. Uh, ton of depth at, at running back right now. I uh, need to get a couple guys completely healed up. Jalen Bussey's back from, from an injury that he had a year ago. Uh, Hunter Lipke kind of fulfills a dual role for us. Tight end, fullback, running back. Uh, but really feel excited about Brika Pinu, young man from West Fargo, really starting to, to show us why uh, he had offers from some power fives late in the process. Uh, Kobe Johnson, I think Kobe's as strong a back as that we've version of himself right now that he's been, you know, in the couple, two, three years that he's been here. Owen Johnson got moved over from wide receiver to running back, doing an excellent job. Got to get Tamaric Williams still healthy, uh, still a concern. Uh, I, I talked about Jalen real quick. TK Marshall is doing an outstanding job. So there's bodies there that can help us win, especially when you're a line of scrimmage oriented football team like we are. So there you go. Let's uh, talk about that. Uh, Noah Gindor still being held out at tight end. Um, they mentioned Tamaric Williams on the defensive side of the ball. Spencer Wagey's back. We uh, talked with him yesterday. Um, he's kind of kind of on a pitch count right now. He's uh, they're kind of uh, kind of building him back in uh, as far as reps go in practice. Wisniewski is out. Really, the defensively, the linebacker spot is where they have the uh, really kind of the there's more up in the air at linebacker than there is say in the defensive uh, front four or in the uh, secondary. A uh, couple of different things here. Um, Ants, this cut this cut here. He talks about um, about nil at NDSU. This time, I, I think what you're seeing here locally was what the rule was intended to be. Uh, these young men are, are fulfilling an obligation. They're providing companies A, B, and C with maybe it's followers, maybe it's, uh, it's advertising, maybe it's a commercial, uh, which Cam is now famous in the team room for that commercial. That, that's, that's how I saw the rule originally. You have to provide these companies or these people who want to provide any NIL with something. It was merit-based. You, you, you get this, but you have to provide something. And unfortunately, and again, I'm, I'm speaking for Matt Entz, nobody else, I, I get the sense that this has become not merit-based, but more incentive-based monies out there. And so at the same time, we have to continue to grow. We're an extremely, I think, you know, at times conservative, which I think is good, uh, athletic department. We're not going to make any rash decisions, but it's it's not 2018 anymore. It's 2022. Things have changed. Transfer portal, conference shakeup, NIL. Uh, we, I don't know if we can sit here and just say we're going to ignore it and it's because it won't go away. Um, and, and my job is to make sure I protect this program and put the best product on the field. And if that means we need to expand some way in NIL, then we probably got to do some research and start looking into that. Some thoughts on that? I think uh... – I think it's weird to think that we're believing that this wasn't going to be incentive based. <laughs> you know? maybe, maybe at this level, yes, but at the bigger level, yeah, I think you might be fooling yourself if, if, right. if you thought that. 
Yeah, it's uh, and well, because you got to think car dealerships. You got to think. I mean, you know, just all these different major things sporting goods right. retailer, right. car washes. Yeah. You, you name it. Yeah, it just it just seems a little quirky that we're kind of being naive to think that that wasn't going to happen. You know, I got to think that the two schools that are joining the Big Ten might really benefit from it. You would think football wise, right? I mean, you're talking. Oh, absolutely. L.A. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean oh, that could California. That could uh, that'd be like the heavens opening up there. I mean, I don't know, you know, what type of situation Lincoln could have. I, I don't know how with all the people that go to the University of Minnesota that work at major corporations in the Twin Cities, with all the Fortune 500 companies that they have, mm-hmm. how can that not benefit the maroon and gold? I mean, they have to put that to work somehow, don't they? Oh, absolutely. And even here, I mean, listen, people want to be associated with two things here, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, buys in football. When they're hot, buys in basketball. UND hockey for sure, right? Mm-hmm. How do you not take advantage of that somehow? I, I mean, somewhere, someone, and the school doesn't want to be involved, but I mean, we know how this goes. You would think that there would be incentive. Hey, you know, if you uh, you go play such and such there, they're going to give you a lease on a car. I mean, how does that, and then all you have to do is do a TV commercial for them. But how can some, that not happen? But even, I think, Heaven Hamling, who's on the women's basketball team, has, has done that. I think she's done commercials. It's car wash. I can't remember yeah. what it's for, but she's been on there. So... And along those lines, Jeff Kolpak asked the question about, uh, he says, you look on the roster and under the section previous school, there, you don't see a lot of, uh, that's left blank on most much of the NDSU roster. So uh, Matt Enns asked about their use of the transfer portal. You know, when, we, when we recruit young men, myself, coordinators, position coaches, we sit them down, mom, dad, whoever might be their inner circle, and we talk about a vision. Here's a plan to get your son on the football field at NDSU. And never in that plan did we talk about, but we might bring in so-and-so from University X, Y, and Z. We feel like we do a, a tremendous job. Our staff, our strength staff, our, uh, our nutrition staff, medical staff of developing football players. And so... I think if we started, and, and again, I'm not ignoring the transfer portal. We've used it slightly. Um, we're going to, and we're going to continue to use it at a conservative pace. Uh, it has to be the right person from the right place at the right time. Um, we felt like we had a pretty good group coming back, and uh, there was no need to rock the locker room or the or the team room. Yeah, it's going to be uh, kind of interesting to see down the road here. What, you know where this goes to because they've been lucky. I mean, they, you know they. They had the transfer with Jabril Cox, but that was a senior transfer. That was before mm-hmm. this. I right. mean, I, they haven't lost. I mean, some other schools are just they've they, they've taken some pain here, including the school up north. You know, right right before the playoffs there a couple yes, of years ago. Yes, very too, true. So, so uh, before we go here, we've got uh, let's give away a couple four packs of tickets here. We got some tickets for the Red Hawks and the Chicago Dogs Saturday right. night. Should be a nice night. Six o'clock in Newman Outdoor Field. If you'd like to go, we've got a four pack of tickets. You can bring the family if you'd like. Two three seven thirty seven sixty seven. And the toll-free number, 1-800. It's been so long. Yes, I'm trying to remember as well. (laughs) I know. it's uh, 888-458-6926. Man, I haven't said that for years. 888-458-6926. So we will uh, will get that. And uh, if you'd like to go, we can um, make that happen for you as well. You will be at uh, Twin Peaks tomorrow. Yes. We'll try and get some more bison sound there. And uh, Anthony LaPanta, I believe, is going to pinch hit for... Be vacationing Corey Provis this week for uh, baseball this week, so we'll visit with Anthony as well. Uh, coming up in the uh, in the noon hour. So All right. very good. Brad Anderson producing. Derek Hansel see you again tomorrow. Again, live from Twin Peaks here on 740 the fan. This is the Jack Michaels show.